0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Jeff Vidotin with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in Casey and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Kansas City Chiefs offensive of lineman Joe Valerio and I analyze position group Joe knows extremely well the Chiefs offensive line Joe last year the O-line went from being a weakness to a strength but it had a lot of new parts being integrated am I correct in asserting that the O-line should be even better after a a year of being together
1: oh definitely Jeff I, I think this is this is their year I mean this is their year really pull it together knock on wood uh you know barring injury right and, and barring the fact that they can get Orlando Brown's deal done and you know kind of get him get Which him definitely discuss that too for sure. fully solidified right so i there's of course there's there's always moving parts as we know <laughs> the NFL it's never it's so fluid these days with the way things work out but for all intents and purposes let let's let's make the assumption that Orlando Brown is going to be you know, participating, um, you know, this season <laughs> with the team and he's not going to be a season holdout and, and he's going to be, you know, actively playing at left tackle. And you've got Joe Tooney and you've got Creed and Trey. And, you know, I think right now I, it, it sounds to me like from, from the things that I'm seeing is probably going to be Andrew Wiley going into the preseason, you know, as the starter, but, you know, we know that Good he's right got, tackle. Yeah. he's got, he's got starting chops. So, mm-hmm. so I think, I think you go in, you know, not everybody can be Orlando Brown or Joe Tooney, right? I mean, not everybody can be those type of all pro players that come to a team. You got to, you've got five all pros, you know, you probably miss it. You'd probably be missing something somewhere else because you'd have to be spending all your money there, but, you know, not to take that to take that, that takes anything away from Andrew, but, you know, he's a solid starter. Um, You know, I, I think it, I think they're, they're in fantastic shape. I, I love the depth. You know, I think the Jaron Christian pickup was a great move. I'm a huge fan of Nick Allegretti. I think is a solid. You know, he's been a starter. He's got he's got starting experience. And then
0: we love those 73s who can uh, catch touchdowns. Listen, that's
1: you know he's got a couple more to go, and hopefully this year maybe they throw him they throw him another one. And and you know, bringing on Austin Writer, you know, several you know years ago was was great. And 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 you know, bringing Darian Kennard in the draft. So I, I I think this team, and of course, you know, Lucas Nye. And I just think this team right there, those 10 players that we talked about, you know, are, are, are a really solid group. And I'm super excited about the chemistry that has, you know, worked its way through this off season at, you know, getting to know each other, getting to know the plays, getting to know each other's idiosyncrasies. Syncratic, uh, things that they have to deal with on the field. Uh, I, I, I just think it's going to be, I just think it's going to be a fantastic year for this team, you know, not going to again, barring injury and making the assumption that Orlando is, is, you know, solidified in there, you know, with some kind of a signing, whether he plays under the franchise tag or, you know, they sign him to a long-term deal. I mean, he's, he's to, he's going to play. And, you know, I, I just don't, I just, don't think he's that type of player that's going to do any kind of a holdout or something like that where he would miss a season, um, you know, because and of that. Before we
0: get to the Orlando Brown situation with the deadline being July 15th, Joe, how much does continuity help? And can you give some examples? Were there a couple years for the Chiefs where you guys had kind of the same same five coming back or maybe even the same seven or so coming back with a couple backups?
1: Yeah, it's, it's huge. I mean, we had a good run there, you know, from basically, you know, it it was a little like before I got there in 1991, um, you know, 1990 was a little tumultuous because Grunny and, and, and Dave Zott were just drafted. So they didn't, you know, it took a little bit of time for them to get in the lineup. You know, Tim was backing up Mike Webster and Dave Zott was working his way into the lineup. You had the old guard, Dave Lutz, Rich Baldinger, and John Alt. So everybody was starting to work their way in. The, the by old the time, guard.
0: There's there's a was that pun intended, Joe, that, that kind of works on multiple levels there.
1: Yeah, exactly. No pun intended, right? No, the old guard, the old tackle, I should have said. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the old guard. But they, but that was a great group to learn from, right? And that's where I think Tim and Dave got so much, they learned so much from Dave Lutz and Rich Baldinger and John Alt right those guys that had been around and been playing a long time and then started bringing on young players like Derek Graham and and then I came in the next year in 91 and uh, you know then then it then it really started to solidify and then of course you know when you look at at the team that went you know from 1993 through the late 90s right you you know you had you know John Alt and Dave Zott Tim, you know Will Shields, right? And you just had this incredible, solid, you know, four All-Pro type players, um, you know, in one line playing consistently for a long time. Right tackle was probably the place that we 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 moved around a little bit, I think, during that time. But we still had we still had good consistency, right? I mean, Ricky Sigler, uh, you know, had played. Uh, I bounced in there a little bit at right tackle. Um, you know, like I said, Ricky was in there. So we had, uh, a little bit of movement at right tackle, um, through some of those years, but man, if there was a time that there was a really solid group, it was, it was starting with that 92, 93 year, and then going through the late nineties, they really, really were solid. And then, and then you can go on to like the Trent green era, right. Willie Rofe and right offensive uh, line. Brian Waters. And, you know, when Grunny had retired and Dave Zott had moved on to the Jets, I mean, there was definitely a changing of the guard there. But again, that was another great group uh, through the coach Vermeule eras and Gunther their Cunningham era after Marty had had, had left, uh, you know, another great group. But I guess really, Jeff, what what I know what you're getting at is when there's consistency and there's offensive linemen that play together, at least a vast majority of them of the five, you start to see offenses build, right? Mm -hmm. You start to see uh, the playbook becomes a little bit easier for everybody to digest when you have an offensive line that's consistent and can do exactly what the offensive coordinator wants them to do, whether it's protection different types of blocking schemes, zone, you know, players being able to get out in space and pull and, and open up the, you know, uh, the, the, the corners a little bit and get out and get out in space. Like it just, it it just, when you get that rolling on an offensive line and you're not worried about this player and that player, and oh gosh, is this player going to, you know, is this player going to get beat on a stack or are we going to have to like push our protection to that player? No, I think a lot of people don't realize what a solid offensive line can do as it relates to being able to, and I use this term a lot and I I probably overuse it, but open up your playbook because if you don't, you get very limited real fast um, when your, when your offensive line has to be, I'm going to use this term accommodated for Mm -hmm. and, and it just, it just, it just makes an offensive coordinator's life difficult when they can't you know, do whatever they want because there's a missing piece or two, or, you know, sometimes on offensive lines, there could be three missing pieces and then it just changes everything. It makes everything less effective. So, you know, that's something I hope fans really do look at is, 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 is follow the offensive line, look for the consistency, look at the amount of plays, different plays a team can run because their offensive line is humming and, and and kind of hitting on all cylinders. It really does. It really does change the game, Jeff. And I can tell you that, you know, from the inside, having, having, having had some years where like in 92, we had, we were decimated by injuries up front. Um, There was one game. I think we've talked about this before in the pod where I was playing center on first and second down. And then I would go out and play right tackle in passing situations. (laughs) Like how crazy is that? Because we were, we were, we had so many injuries that, you know, Coach Mudd, you know, Howard Mudd felt like I, you know, I was a decent pass blocker. So I would play center on first and second down, and then I would go out and play right tackle on third down. That's not, that's not a recipe for success. You know, I consider myself a decent player, but that's not what I wanted to be doing. And I'm sure that's not what, you know, Joe Pendry, our offensive coordinator, wanted wanted to be happening at that particular time. Um, you know, and it 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 just it just changes everything, right? It just it makes things so limiting.
0: Interesting too, when you were talking about kind of your early years with the Chiefs or, you know, after your rookie year, that um it was such a solid offensive line. Kind of the the part that was reshuffled a little bit, or the question mark, if you will, was right tackle. So, so some parallels to what the Chiefs are going through uh, now. Not no knock against Wiley or McNarder. Oh, or whatever. Yeah. sure. Kind of the quite in, in, Interesting parallel. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including NBA Summer League, Major League Baseball latest fighting news and even next season's early NFL futures head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use our promo code believe b-l-e-a-v to get the bonus and get into the action bet online where the game starts uh joe we're, we're posting this on july 13th getting very close to the july 15th uh deadline for orlando brown that you 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 referenced basically if the browns and the chiefs don't agree on a long-term deal by that date he plays pretty much likely plays the 2022 season on a one-year franchise tag of 16.7 uh, million, uh and then then the, the window can open to re- note uh, to negotiate a deal the following off season so he can't negotiate during the season uh joe you know i i did a story on this before because it's really interesting orlando brown was interviewing new agents um, this this offseason and he settled on a 27 year old michael portner brown is his first client they kind of bonded um because portner's father is a nephrologist a kidney doctor in the mississippi delta and brown's father who i don't know if you faced the the browns when he was when orlando brown's dad was a member of them but he he apparently uh died from complications of diabetes mm-hmm. and his younger brother orlando's Brown, uh, Brown's younger brother has diabetes. So very interesting. Young guy, first NFL client. He said um that part of the reason he he selected him was that not only that bond over the kidney uh disease that that has that his family has suffered, but also because he wanted kind of a new fresh face who like didn't have connections uh to other GMs, other teams. Uh, your, your thoughts on, on all that. Uh, seeking such a, a young, inexperienced agent, kind of an interesting direction to go.
1: Yeah, it really is. I mean, just, you know, just, <laughs> it's, uh, it makes it what, what it probably will do. And just a, this is like a little bit of an aside. Now, granted, there's a relationship there, right? Mm-hmm. And and we we probably don't know that how deep that relationship might be unless, you know, you've had you know, a family member or, or several like have been in the Brown family case that have dealt with, you know, the, the, the ups and downs and, and the emotional turmoil that can be, that can come around, you know, major illnesses and, mm-hmm. and a very premature death, like for Orlando Brown Sr. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, emotion that goes around it. And we just probably don't know the bond that's there and, and the, and the familial, sort of feeling that they must have. And so they, he must see something in, in, in that, um, you know, and, and I, I, you know, I I guess it's probably just comes down to that, Jeff. It just comes down to a It's a relationship, right? I mean, that's, that's what the player agent, you know, sort of um, the relationship is very emotional and, and it it comes down. That's what
0: you had, Joe. You always tell that
1: chili dog story, you know, that listen, uh, you know, Brad, Brad Blank and I had a, you know, he, we just bonded you know over over very um, comfortable um, sort of associations that we had right with with uh, Brad being very uh, uh, he loved offensive linemen he had a ton of offensive linemen in his I'll call it his stable of players he you know he had a lot of players who who played who went through the Ivy League so i knew that he had a certain amount of confidence and faith in the league and that you could be a successful NFL player you know, coming out of the Ivy league. It was just, just things that I got, you know, feelings I got for him. Brad was very forthright and honest. And that's what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Right. Some players are looking for a flashy agent or, you know, you go back to movies like Jerry Maguire or whatever, and different things like that. And, you know, you, you see it get a little bit of an insight into some of those, you know, into that profession. And yeah, um,
0: interesting. You mentioned Jerry Maguire actually, because I, I think Orlando Brown might be taking that approach, you know, that uh, Jerry Maguire famously ha- was down to one client, Rod Tidwell. Yeah. So he could really focus on him. Maybe there's something there that like Orlando is, you know, uh, Michael's one client. He can put all his energy, all his thoughts into him.
1: Yeah. Nobody wants to be, you know, nobody wants to be a little fish in mm-hmm. a big pond and, you know, you kind of want to be the big fish in a small pond, right. And get people's attention. And, you know, I felt, I felt like what in my own particular agent relationship with Brad blank, I felt like it was for me, the perfect mix. I felt like he had just enough top notch players that he had a reputation for working with top shelf players, you know, like Harris Barton and the, you know, Joe Wolf and the Waddell brothers, Mm -hmm. um, you know, solid offensive lineman, uh, you know, Herman Moore, uh, you know, great receiver out of Virginia. Um, And I just felt like, um, I just felt like, like Brad had, um, you know, just enough of those players, but not so many that I was going to get like lost in the wash, you know, and and I was going to get caught up in the wash. Um, You know, one of the, one of the, one of the hooks for me was when Joe Conwell, who played for the Eagles, who was one of my like, you know, kind of those players that I looked up to Mm -hmm. as a, as a high school and college player, when he played for the Philadelphia stars in the USFL and with the, with the Philadelphia Eagles uh, you know, Joe came to my house um, and we talked a lot about Brad and he was very honest about, you know, his relationship with Brad and how they had become friends and he wasn't overselling. He didn't oversell the agent relationship, but I just felt very comfortable with, with Joe's uh, perception of, of how, the agent player relationship should work. You know, he didn't oversell Brad. He didn't say Brad calls me every day and Oh my God, you're going to love working with Brad. He was like, Hey, Brad's an honest guy. This is the, this is the, this is the honest truth about dealing with an NFL agent. They're going to get busy. They might not return your call right away. Remember this is before, you know, right before cell phones and internet and email and texting and social media. So You know, he's like, look, you may not return your call right away, but, you know, he's always going to get back to you. He just gets busy and he's going to find the time. And I just, I don't know. It's just a feeling I got. And and I'd imagine that that's what Orlando Brown Jr. is going through right now. He just went through. I mean, think about what this could mean for somebody like that who's 27 years old. And if Orlando Brown signs a, you know, let's just say, let's say he signs a contract and over the course of the next several years, you know, Orlando Brown makes, you know, $150 150 million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Gross, right? I mean, agents, you know, at that level are getting paid anywhere from one and a half to three percent. When you get a, a contract that big, a lot of agents will great. they'll do their contracts on on grade. Uh, grades is probably the wrong term, but steps. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. if you're like a uh, you know a, a, an X round pick and you sign a deal that's worth X, they'll get you know four percent. the smaller the deal the more they're going to get, the more percentage they're going to get paid, the larger the deal, the less they get paid. Right. It's just like anything in life, you know, you want to kind of create some economy of scale and you want to, you know, you kind of want to price things accordingly. And so, you know, he could be looking at, you know, if he, Orlando Brown has the opportunity now at, at 20, you know, million a year. Just I'm just throwing round numbers out because I'm terrible at math, right? But uh, you know, if he does 20 million a year over the next five to six years, you're looking at 100, 120 million. Maybe plays he, he makes 20 million for seven more years, and you know, you start looking at two percent of that, right? Pretty good living, um, yeah. That's a, a pretty good living. It's not as easy as it seems. It might be easier work once you get going, right. but man, getting to that point is takes a little bit of luck and, you know, something like this, so that was happening for Orlando Brown jr's agent, right. He gets all of a sudden it's based on this interesting relationship between, you know, fam- families or whatever, and doctor the medical relationship. And now all of a sudden he could be looking at, you know, he could be, who knows, he could become the, the next Lee Steinberg and, oh, yeah. and, and, and end up with two Orlando Browns and then five Orlando Browns. And next thing you know, he's got, he's, you know, he's, he's running a, uh, you know, a company like IMG who knows, but it's a really interesting story for sure.
0: Um, one last thing about the, the offensive line. I mean, I think we'd agree that probably last year right tackle was weak link, which would, would, is almost too harsh because that's a real high bar. The rest of the offensive line did so well, but Joe, I'm assuming you're in agreement, but conversely, who do you think was the best was it Tooney? I mean, he was the guy in the big, if you had to pick one lineman who, who was kind of the, the star of that, that unit last year.
1: I mean, Oh God, that's such a great question. Cause we could go through each player. I think, I think Tooney was, I think he was the most solid, Uh huh. you know, he was just the guy you never really heard about. I, you know, like, I, I, I think he was, you know, he was, yeah, I mean, that's probably the best way to sum it up. He was the most solid, right? Like he, he just did what he was supposed to do. He did what what they signed him for. I'd have to say though, the guy that impressed me the most is probably Creed Humphrey. Yeah. Um, I, good. I, I just think, you know, and, and, and again, it leads me, you know, Jeff, before we started recording, we were talking about, you know, we, we wanted to chat a little bit about the chiefs getting dissed and, right now and it, it just it's it's frustrating me right now that there's this weird social media fan media movement or whatever to kind of like dis- discount what the chiefs are gonna do next year. Like I or I should say next year this year mm-hmm. coming up. The season's about to start. Um like I, I just I just have this 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 weird feeling that there the people aren't really respecting them. And I think Creed Humphrey was what made me spark that, want to have that conversation mm-hmm. with you because, you know, they did like this uh, executive, uh, NFL executive uh, poll on top players and, and p- by position groups and things. And like Creed Humphrey was like not really a factor in that. Like he was, I think they had him listed at like number 10 or something, or he was, he didn't even break the top 10. Um, and I just, I just, it just made me start thinking about when I read that and saw that headline. I was like, man. What's going on? Like what, what, are, what are the chiefs doing that is causing people to have them not high in the power rankings that they do? Even if this is all anecdotal and we haven't even started the season yet, and you, you know, who can, who can say what this season's going to look like, right. With some of the moving parts that have, have been put into place, but it's just like, come on guys, just based on history and what they have done in the off season, you can't, you can't deny them or, or, or discount what is going to, at least on paper, where they should be.
0: No, and- you know, my theory, Joe, is that if there is a slight diss for the, on the Chiefs, it's just that uh, they, they've just been a, like, I think they're looking at these other teams, the Bills, you know, the other exciting teams in the division who have added so much talent. They're kind of like the shiny new toys. The Chiefs, I think there, it's just the Chiefs are in a way a victim of their own success in a way that like, like they've been around. They've been so good that people kind of forget about, you know, it's, they're, they're not adding Russell Wilson, you know, they're not adding, um, you know, Devonte Adams they're not adding Matt Ryan, you know, that, that, that it's, it's just that people it's uh, this is kind of a, uh, a it's, it's like when in the NBA where I feel that like you could give the MVP to like LeBron James every year, Michael Jordan could have gotten it every year. And you kind of like people don't because they get just kind of so used to that, that standard. That's, that's partly my theory, but maybe there's something else, or there maybe there's more to it
1: than that. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I it, you're right. I think that's a great a great way to put it, Jeff. Is that everybody's looking at other teams as you know, kind of the shiny new toys, and the Chiefs have basically become, uh, you know, they've become uh, old hat. I don't know what yeah, word I'm looking right. for. That's I what I was. It.
0: I'm thinking too.
1: You know, that the people are just looking at, at them like, OK, you know, they are who they are. I mean, now now I'm not saying that there aren't there aren't some people out there that don't have them ranked high and they're sort of offseason power rankings and where they would see this team come in. But I just I don't know. I'm just getting this kind of weird, overwhelming feeling as I scroll through social media and read headlines and read stories that that they're they're not getting maybe the what they deserve, but you know what, maybe that's where they want to be. Yeah. Maybe that's a good maybe, thing, right? Maybe that's just where they want to be. Go ahead. You know, like you said, look at the shiny new toy and go ahead, everybody focus your, your efforts on that. And we're going to come up and we're going to sneak up on you. And, you know, we're going to hit you with the right hook, you know, that, 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 are the chiefs, right. They are, they are a right hook, man. They got Travis Kelsey. They've got a wide receiving core now that's deep and different and diverse uh they've got an offensive line like you said we started this whole thing off we kicked it off it's that's solid and we'll have a whole nother year of playing together i think people everybody has to remember that five that's five players none of them started the year before for the chiefs it was five that's, that continuity start. what
0: we talked about should should be such an asset this year
1: yeah, I mean, I think you know you've got you've got a running back core that continues to develop. You've you know so offensively, Patrick Mahomes. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, by the way, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and so like we've got a lot going on offensively. Maybe it's maybe it's the defense. Maybe maybe that's what's causing people a little bit of pause and 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 bringing up uh, a little bit of angst with people as far as worried anxiety about where the Chiefs might fall. Uh, it could be, it could be the defense. I, I don't know. Yeah. Could be. And Hey,
0: listen, they, they lost some, you know, there are some questions that you, know, you lose Tyron Matthew, the leader of the defense, you lose Tyreek Hill, just a sensational player. There are questions. And I think part of it, Joe, and I, and I'm kind of, you know, thinking out loud here, why this might be, I think also too, that the, the chiefs, they had a, on paper, a great draft. I really think it's, but you know, they added guys like Karloftis, McDuffie, canard chanel kind of gritty tough guys yeah you know maybe they didn't have the splash i think justin reed was a really good signing yeah. i think ronald jones i, I think juju smith schuster but they didn't have the big you know they didn't have uh devonte adams they didn't they they didn't add him you know they they didn't add von miller like 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 the bills did you know
1: well yeah it definitely was a meat and potatoes draft i could use that term loosely um you know, you're right. It was very meat and potatoes. I think their their off season has been has been relatively meat and potatoes, like you said. I mean, gonna be to a good the, thing, you know. I I mean, listen. They filled. They're taking a team of known quantity and they're building on it. And I think that's what that's what this team is doing. Um. And that that's what Brett Beach and Andy Reid are doing is they're taking the talent that they have and they're continuing to build it rather than the trying to throw. I don't know. I'm trying to think of analogies. You know, they're not trying to just put a shiny new coat of paint onto onto a Lamborghini, right? Oh, let's just paint a different color and maybe it'll go faster, right? They're they're actually, I think, rather than than, than putting on a new coat of paint or a new body onto this engine, they're tuning up the engine, right? They're 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 filling in the gaps of. Of, of, where, of the engine that they need to fill in and, and changing the spark plugs and different things like that. Right here I am, I got, like I can talk about cars. Um, but like, I'm just trying to think of, of weird little analogies to, to, to sort of make a point that that I think this, this team is going to come out. Um, I think they're going to come out swinging. Look, they've got, obviously, we've talked about this before. It's a known fact that they have the toughest first eight games. If they come out of that, it, you know, watch out because if they come out of those eight games, those first eight games healthy with, you know, six and two, seven and one, you know, maybe even five and three, depending, you know, since it is such a tough beginning of the schedule, look out because they're, you know, that's what this team does. It lo- they're like an AI machine. They just, they're like artificial intelligence. They just keep learning and learning about how to play. And, and I think that's what, that's what could happen through those, those first eight games. So don't, number one, don't lose heart fans. If, if, if the chiefs have a little bit of a struggle in those first eight games, and when I say a struggle, they're, they're not going to come out of it with a losing record, but you know, they could come out five and three, it could be six and two, you know, coming out of those first eight games, but don't lose heart. That's that, that is, they're going to learn from everything that happens in those first eight games is going to help propel them. Granted with the big, you know, the, the, the elephant in the room is, is obviously health and, mm-hmm. and, and lack of injuries, right. Which is, which is every team has to deal with that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you can go up and down the, 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 NFL rosters. If, you know, the Rams who won the Super Bowl, they lose two or three players on their offense. They're done. If, you know, bills lose Josh Allen, they're toast. You know what I mean? So like, you know, it, it's, it's that injury thing. You, you almost with the way the NFL is going these days, with the, with almost like I call it the lack of depth, like of mm-hmm. real solid solid depth. I mean that that, that goes for any team. That's any so team. Much,
0: so much parody out there. Well, if you enjoy this show presented by Bet Online, please subscribe. We're available on your favorite directories: iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.